Hello everyone, my name is Charles Park. I'm one of the pastors here at The River. Welcome to The River on YouTube. Uh, what crazy times we live in. Uh, before we start, let me uh, pray for us briefly. God, we lift up our times to you. This is a crazy time with coronavirus. We pray for your protection. We pray for your grace, especially among those of us who are vulnerable and weak and need assistance. We pray that you would uh, provide, that you will bring people around uh, to the people in need, and that we would get through this time back to normal times with, as soon as possible with as little of a damage as possible. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for praying with me. Uh, well, we are in the Lenten season, uh, six weeks leading up to Easter. Uh, here at the river, we uh, use this season to Encourage everyone to push into God and have real experiences of God. We call it 40 Days of Faith. And this year's theme is character change. Uh, we are calling the sermon series, I Want to Get Better At... Dot, dot, dot. We're asking you to pick a character change that you would like for your life. And the character change I picked for myself was to stress less. Boy, did I pick the wrong time, huh? This is not the time. <laughs> because it's just been so stressful with this coronavirus thing. Uh, on top of that, uh, we are going through a major life change as well. Um, I shared this at the church members meeting last Sunday. So some of you know this already. Uh, but uh, Caroline and I are stepping down. Uh, from being staff pastors at the river because the fact is our church has been in a deficit for last five years and, and that's caused Carolyn and I to not be able to draw a meaningful wages in over three years and it doesn't look like that can change in the near future now it's not too bad the church finances are stabilizing but we just cannot increase our expenses and that's been difficult for us, as you can imagine. It, it's forced the question of how long can we try to draw living wages from being a pastor. I prayed about it for some time now, and the sense I get from God is that it's time to let go of the professional part of being a pastor. Uh, this has not been easy for me, as I've been a professional pastor for 22 years. It's not easy to consider changing your career at this uh, late stage. Um, it's been a long time uh, being a pastor. Uh, so I checked in with Caroline and then checked in with the elders of the church because, uh, you know, it's good to check in with godly people that you trust about major life changes. Uh, and what the board and everyone has said is that it feels like it's okay for me to let go. Jokingly, Peter Evis, one of the board members, said, hey, if you were a policeman, you would be uh, retired with a fat pension in Long Island with a boat. Because <laughs> 22 years is a long time. Uh, joking aside, uh, the church is in a very strong place. John and Sarah, will carry the church as they have been for some time now. They are just great as pastors, working with them for 
over a dozen years now, uh, Caroline and I, we have nothing but good things to say about uh, their character, their ability to lead. Uh, they are just great people and great leaders. So we are confident they will continue to do a fantastic job of leading this church. Besides, recently with my back problems, they have been leading almost everything around here anyway. Uh, so practically speaking, not much will change except I will be preaching less. I will still serve as a leader here. I will still preach from time to time, just not as often. Because even if I stop drawing paychecks, that doesn't mean the spiritual calling to pastor has gone away. The Bible says we are all pastors, we are all ministers. Uh, there is a principle called priesthood of all believers. This is one of the bedrock principles of Protestant faith. Uh, comes from Martin Luther himself. We are all pastors. Just some of us try to draw living wages from it, but we are still all called to minister to one another in church. So, yes, John and Sarah are our lead pastors, but we all need to step up and support them, and we all need to work together to build up this community because this is a special community of faith, full of life and love, don't you think? So let's keep building it up. Having said all that, as you can imagine, this has been quite stressful. Sometimes, to be honest with you, I felt like a loser. I couldn't hack it as a pastor. I failed. And I know, I know, this is not how we are supposed to think. This is not how we are supposed to feel. This is not what we preach. But hey, I'm only human. There's this, all this self-talk in your head, accusing, condemning, that, uh, pointing out all the flaws and shortcomings and how you have failed. Uh, so God has been talking to me about my own self-talk from the Bible, particularly this one passage called Mary and Martha. It's from Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. The passage reads like this. Now, as they went on their way, he entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. So she came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. Martha is an open-hearted, generous woman who welcomed Jesus into her home. But it wasn't just Jesus, was it? It was Jesus and his disciples. Now, who knows how many people were there? At least a dozen, maybe more. Uh, because the fact is, wherever Jesus went, crowds gathered. He was very well known as a healer, as a special prophet from God. So anyone who had a need sought him out everywhere. So just picture the scene. Martha uh, loves it that Jesus has chosen to come to her home. She wants to give him uh, a great time. She wants to put on a, a feast, cook her best stuff, impress everyone. And at first she 
thought it would be just Jesus and some companions. But then more and more people start showing up, right? Her friends, relatives who are sick, who need help, people who, can, who she can hardly turn away. They all start showing up. This is what happened wherever Jesus went. So it's probably getting harder and harder to put on a feast. There's more to prep, more to do, not enough food. She's running around frantically trying to save the day. Her stress builds and builds and builds and builds. And in her head, she's imagining total failure, letting everyone down. Because it's not just about not having enough food for everyone. She's experiencing performance anxiety, right? Because what we do, how well do it, our jobs, it reflects on who we are, doesn't it? For example, when we meet, one of the first things we ask is, what do you do? And we say stuff like, I'm a doctor, I'm a teacher, I'm a student. Did you ever notice we don't say, I study, I teach, I heal, I trade stocks? No, we say, I'm a trader, I'm a teacher. As if what we do define who we are. So naturally, subconsciously even, our self-respect, our self-worth, how we see and value ourselves, often gets tied up in what we do and how well we do it. Especially in this day and age, our identity is easily tied up in our jobs and our salary and how well we do. Did you know that today, that average salary of CEOs is about 300 times that of the average worker? That used to be about 20 times just about 50 years ago. So it's just been getting bigger and bigger and bigger, this gap between high-performing jobs and low-performing jobs. And so it's really easy to feel like you're falling behind or you are a loser comparing yourself to really successful people out there, especially in social media. You can see what people are doing and they can really get onto you. And then some churches pile on even, preaching that your standing before God is proven by how successful you are. They preach that if God is blessing you, if God is approving you, then you will be showered with money and success. So, you know, that's called prosperity gospel, and there are actually many churches who preach that. So even churches pile on to this worldly type of thinking where how well we do it and what kind of jobs we have, uh, determines our social standing and how we see ourselves. But here in this church, with faith, we declare today that our worth is not tied to our jobs, our salaries, our social status, but in Christ alone. What Christ has done on the cross alone determines our standing before God, our self-worth, our identity. God sees us as the beloved, unconditionally, every one of us. Amen? I believe that is what makes us Christians. And I want us to know that the first Christians were pretty much all, all nobodies, usually from very low class, uh, many even from the slave class. Look at what Paul says about church members in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 through 30. Paul says, to all these Christians, consider your own call, brothers and sisters. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were powerful. 
Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, things that are not, to reduce to nothing things that are, so that no one might boast in the presence of God. What a powerful passage, isn't it? It tells us that, that, that these forefathers of our faith, those people who faithfully persevered under persecution and difficulties to pass on faith to us, so that we could be a church today, heroes of faith, really. And they were not wise, not noble, not rich, but foolish and weak people. Yet they are the ones God lifted up as, as church, as the blessed, as the beloved of God. So it is clear that our worth is given to us by God freely, by grace. We are not our jobs. If that were the case, these early Christians, uh, they would not be the pillars of faith. They would not be the ones God would have lifted up. We are who God says we are. And God says we are the beloved. We are the, uh, seated with Christ in the heavens. And that does not depend on what we do. It's because of what Christ has done on the cross. Amen. So when we get stressed out about how well we are performing, what kind of jobs we have, we are not as successful as we would like, we need to go to God in prayer. We need to ask God to set our mind straight. Even if we are angry with God, even if we want to go to God and complain, God will have a gracious and good answer for us. Look at Martha. She goes to Jesus to complain in a huff. She's angry. She's complaining. But Jesus has a, a, a really good response to her. So let's look at this. Martha was distracted by her many tasks. So she came to Jesus and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. So her stress is boiling over, right? She's stress dumping on Jesus. She goes to Jesus and says, Look, marry my sister. She's just sitting there while I do all the work. How is this fair? Tell her to help me. She's kind of yelling at him, isn't she? On one hand, it's easy to sympathize with her. It does seem unfair, totally. But on the other hand, why doesn't Martha just talk to Mary? Why is she dumping on Jesus? Unloading on him, accusing him of not caring, being unfair. Now remember, Martha wanted to welcome Jesus into her home. Martha wanted to show Jesus a great time. Do you think Jesus feels welcomed by this unloading from Martha? This is totally not what Martha should be doing to her guest of honor. But I can so relate to this. I too run to God to complain. It's not fair. Why can't we draw a living wage from being a pastor? Do you not care? How could you let this happen to me? This is very common, right? I think all of us have done this at some point or another. It's only human. Life is not fair. But going to God, even in stress and huff and anger 
It results in something good for Martha. Response from Jesus is so interesting. He doesn't go, oh, I'm sorry, Martha, I, shouldn't have, I should have noticed earlier. Nor does he go, how dare you speak to me like this, Martha? Don't you know who I am? No, Jesus has a lesson for Martha. He says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. Basically, Jesus says, Martha, don't stress out. You're worried for no good reason. Now, why is Martha worried? She's worried about failing, not being able to put on a good enough feast, and that that will reflect poorly on her. Her pride is at stake here, because when our worth is tied to our performance, we get stressed out, because failing doesn't mean just failing. It means we are a failure, defines who we are. So Martha, it's not just about not being able to have enough food. It's about being a good host, being praised, being respected in our community. It's about who she is. And we can relate to this, right? We get stressed out uh, when we feel like our worth is tied to our performance. We have to succeed. We have to make it. We have to keep climbing, right? It's not about the need. It's about who we are. And that can stress us out without limit. There's no end to stressing out about who we are when we don't have a solid core inside of us. When we have to prove ourselves again and again, there's no end to that. But Jesus says, there is need of only one thing. Only one thing. God's love, God's regard, God's grace towards us that establishes our worth and identity. When we have that, we can relax. Because failing is just failing that one time. It's okay. We can relax. Because inside, we are rock solid. Because we know we are worthy no matter what. And out of that confidence, we can live well. So all the serving from Martha, wow, that's a beautiful thing. We should serve because love compels us to serve. But we should not be stressing out. We shouldn't serve if we end up tying service to who we are and our identity and our worth. Because all the serving, let's face it, it's for our benefit, not for God's benefit. God can take care of himself. Jesus can multiply bread if necessary. Martha didn't have to run around frantically trying to feed God. God's good. He's got it, right? Bible says God is not served by human hands as if God needed anything. So yes, we serve. It's part of the great command. It's a beautiful thing because it's a loving thing to do, but it's for our benefit. It's not about our worth and our identity and serving God's needs. This is what God's been saying to me lately, and that's made it a lot easier for me to not feel like a failure even as I uh, step down from being a pastor. So this is my first practical suggestion. Let's serve because it's for our benefit, for the joy of serving. There's joy in loving other people as we love ourselves unconditionally. 
It's the best kind of joy there is. That's why we can't leave all the serving to professional pastors. As a church, we all need to pitch in to make this community work. Volunteer, set up, and take down, kiss church, lots of ways to pitch in. We need to give financially. We need your donations to keep all the programs going. We can't leave it all to Martha's of this world. We can't just leave it to pastors. Uh, because Christian faith is not spectator sport. It only works if we all participate. So let's all pitch in and make a great community, work together. This is going to lead to all kinds of good things for all of us. My second suggestion is to participate in the 40 Days of Faith. Do you have our River NYC app? If you don't, please download it. Because especially during this time when we will not be meeting in person for a few weeks because of the coronavirus crisis, you need to download our app uh, to stay in touch. The daily Bible reading is in there. There's a reading and reflection and response that's going on. That's a, really a great way to stay connected during this time. Uh, this coronavirus thing, it's really disruptive. We're going to need spiritual comfort to get through this time. And the internet allows us to stay connected even if we are not meeting face to face. And our Bible daily Bible reading through the Psalms, that's just a great way. Because Psalms is just pouring out of our hearts and it's just a great way to uh, get through this time and have spiritual comfort uh, during this time. So let's all push into God together. Even though our lives have been disrupted and we can't see each other face to face, as often as we would like, at times like these, we need each other even more than ever. So let's stay connected. Finally, I welcome all questions and comments. Email me at charles at rivernyc.org. That's charles at rivernyc.org. Ask me anything you would like. Let's stay in touch. Let me finish in prayer. God, these are really uncertain times. And uh, we can feel really unmoored at times like this. But Lord, we know that you are with us. That you are the solid rock. You are the rock that holds us up. So we ask that we would feel that in reality more than ever during this time. God, help us. Help New York City get through this time of epidemic, pandemic, uh, coronavirus. Protect the, the weak, protect the vulnerable, protect our elderly, and uh, help us as a community to come together even more than before as we realize that we need each other uh, more than ever. Help us, God. Help us to feel you, experience you, and live through this time well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you for listening, and uh, we will continue to uh, reach out to you through this YouTube channel and, and preaching through these uh, technological means. So let's stay connected. Thank you. Goodbye, everyone.